Well, good morning out there in Radio Land. This is Mornings of Box 2 Radio on this beautiful September 22nd, 2023. What a day the Lord has made. What a glorious day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. Amen. This is the day. This is the day that anything is possible because we serve a God who will take the impossible and turn it into the possible every single time. There's nothing that he can't overcome. There's nothing he's bigger than, he uh, that he's not bigger than. And let me make sure I clarify that. There's nothing that he's not bigger than. He stands alone. There's no opposite or other, and, other than who he is. Amen. So, Miss Hannah, how are you doing on this Friday morning? I'm doing good. I'm excited to uh, go teach the kiddos. I have a yeah. helper today, so yeah, y'all was working hard. <laughs> and so we got a full broadcast this morning. We got an hour. We're going to do some Hebrews again, and then we're going to get into another Bible question or two. And then at eight o'clock, Representative Steve Meredith will be with us for a little bit. And then at eight thirty, we'll be heading over to the chapel, and Jason will come over and finish out the broadcast with Mister Bjork at eight thirty to nine. And so, um, just an exciting full morning there. And then we have next week's the big week. Amen. We're going to um, share right around the corner. And so we're very excited for that. That'll be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Of course, we'll say more about that here in a minute. But um, I know God's doing tremendous things. I feel like it's very necessary to testify about something. Um, it's been on my heart pretty strong this morning. Uh, the pork chops were phenomenal. <laughs> and the... Um, the baked potatoes were were soft and moist like always, and the bash, the macaroni and cheese was my favorite. The shells and the rolls were just light and fluffy, and just kind of set there in your mouth. It was and the green beans tasted like bacon. I didn't get that far. Um, <laughs> I missed that one. Man, I hate that I didn't see the green beans. <laughs> Uh, but it was a delicious dinner for all those who asked, um, because I had some I had some talk back yesterday. Heather about told it. me that green beans tasted like bacon, but she was hoping maybe he'd try it. But I tried. Um, I tried to think about it. Now <laughs> I didn't do it, but you know I thought about it for a second. Maybe I should eat that green bean, and maybe it would revolutionize my my life. But um, I'm going to stick to trusting in Jesus for my health. I don't No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so, but it was a phenomenal dinner. I feel like I should report that to anybody that was curious about that. The pork chops were great. Um, they're smaller pork, shop, pork chops. So when I say I ate five of them, it's not like I ate five steaks or something like that. It, it's, it, they were smaller pork chops in my defense. Um, but the baked potato was, I just, I love it when you set that baked potato in salt water to soak. It just does something to the moistness. And when you eat it, when you take a bite of the potato, it just kind of melts in your mouth. Does it make the potato grow? Because it seems like. Oh, I get the, <laughs> I get the big potatoes anyways. Um, it's called the purple bag. Now you, you spend like, it's like a dollar potato in the purple bag, but it's worth it whenever <laughs> that thing's the size of your head. Now I don't know if like. I don't know what they inject into those potatoes to make them so big, but um, they've always tasted really good. And so, but no, I, it was a great night. Um, great, great fellowship. Great hanging out. Um, I beat Ethan. We played a new game last night. We played football and I beat him twice and he beat me once on a technicality. Just saying. <laughs> you found the weakness. Uh, Jacob Swift says, my voice sounds funny. Well, this morning it's nothing about my mic. It is literally my voice. And this is how I sound. And I don't know how to change that. Probably uh, from yelling so much. It could be. Um <laughs> now let's let's clarify let's clarify though, like, you know, it was not yelling out of Happy anger. Yelling. 
it was fun and you know Excitement. We, we've been preaching and teaching a lot and over the last couple of weeks you know and so <laughs> that's true and, and <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> i'm trying here <clears throat> i'm gonna push through this morning it might be a rough morning but i'm gonna push through it um um it, it was like a significant change that happened afterwards like i just don't see how you can have an encounter with an angel and not listen <laughs> to what the messenger is saying from the Lord, you know. But then I also thought about how a lot of people who were visited by angels were afraid um, whenever the angel first appeared. And that could make sense why we don't see a lot, why we don't have a lot of encounters, visual encounters with them today. I mean, I'm, I know, like, I'm sure it happens. But, you know, we don't have to see the angels, see the spiritual things for it the um job to be done and then to be doing what the lord is giving them to do but it would definitely be cool to have that experience but it just seems like every time someone had an angelic encounter that it would it was significant and that there was like a bit an action that took place afterwards like they took action so i could see the thing about the oxygen and the fire fanning the fire growing the fire because it seemed like there was some sort of action that just propelled them to do something every time but all righty. Well, what verse we on now? Uh, t- thirteen. Ten. We're just booking right along this morning. Um, hold on. No, ten. 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 And it says, "And you, Lord, talking of Jesus again, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning." So, what's he establishing here, right about Jesus? Like he's creator. And so, if anybody ever wants to say that, um, and you know, there is a group of people um, that teach that Jesus is a created God. And he is the brother of Lucifer. Well, all this starts to fall down pretty quick because the Bible's telling us here in Hebrews that he was what? The creator. He, Jesus, the Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. Whose hands? Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's the, It's the work of his hands. So not only did the Lord Jesus create or laid the foundation of the earth, the sky the heavens, the galaxy, the universe, the stars, all are the work of Jesus's hand. Hebrews is letting us know all of this. And it's very significant that we do know this because we've got to understand in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was what? God. And Hebrews is telling us all of this. Jesus laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and Jesus created the heavens because they are the work of his hands. They will perish, but the Bible says Jesus remains. They will perish, but Jesus remains. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up, but like a garment, they will be changed. But you, who's he talking about? Jesus are the same. And Jesus's years, your years will have no end. I actually love that. He's saying, if you look at the earth, you look at the stars, you look at all this, and you know, that actually testifies itself. You can see where the, you know, one day the earth is going to be changed. Will the earth ever completely go away? I don't believe so. I think when it says it burn up with a fervent fire, that means he's going to bring correction and renewal to all things and make the earth new. All right. New heavens and a new earth. So 
I think that the earth will stand, but I think it's going to be changed. I think I think what we know the earth to be will wear out. I think it will need to be changed. It will need to be revolutionized. It will need to be um, molded and shaped. And so, and the writer of Hebrews is telling us here, all of that will change. The earth will change. We've seen the earth changing, but it says who will never change? Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. It's in theology what we call immutability, the unchangingness of God, that he can never change. He will never change. And that's good news. Why is that good news? Is because if we serve an omnipotent God who one day can be good and the next day be evil, that should be terrifying for everybody. Because now you have an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-at-once God who can change the evil at any time. But he can't. Why? Because he cannot work against his nature, and his nature never changes. And so if God was good yesterday, God's going to be good today. And if God's good today, God will be good tomorrow. That's what we can go to the bank on. That's why I can trust him. That's why I could put my peace in him. It's because 50 years from now, he's not changing. Five billion years from now, he's not changing. If he's good today, he's going to be good tomorrow. And if he's good tomorrow, he'll be good the next day. And if he'll be good the next day, he'll be good the day after that. I can go to the bank, and I don't need no FDIC to back this up. He backs it up. He never changes. Amen? And Hebrews is telling us that. Well, we do have our trivia questions today, and today we will either draw at the end of the broadcast today or the first thing Monday morning. We'll see how quick we can get those questions in. But uh, Friday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank, and we appreciate the Sicilian Bank for being an underwriter and sponsor of the Box Two Radio Network. Who was born first, Jacob or Esau? Again, who was born first, Jacob or Esau? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box All righty, we are back in. We had plenty of calls. I love that during that break. Several calls. The first one to get it, though, was Joey Sosh. Greg Carwell got beat because of the app, he says. Who was born first, Jacob or Esau? It was Esau, Genesis 25, 25 through 27. Now, between calls, I've got to work a little bit more on my jingle um, because we are going to create this new business, Ethan and I, and we're trying to get Josh and Jacob invested. Um, It's called the singing telegram business, and it's where people go and sing greeting cards to people. So I'm making one for um, the the Sherathon, and this is what I've got so far. Can Can I sing this again, Hannah, you think? You think anybody will tune out if I'm if I do this? All right, here we go. It's oh, I lost my thing. Sherathon, Sherathon, Sherathon. It's time to give those funds. We're excited for you to ride with us. So come get on the bus. The Lord is changing people. Let's not just stay under the steeple. Grab your shoes, your Bible, and let's go spread revival. The body of Christ is awakening, and that's where I'm at now. I have nothing to rhyme with awakening, but I need help. That's all I got. No, I don't have that last part in there, but. Uh, let's go spread revival. The body of Christ is awakening, so I need a I need a lot after that. And the mm-hmm. harvest is done baking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you could say awakening with an easier word to rhyme, but I'll I'll try to think. Okay. the The body of Christ is a. I thought awakening, arising. I don't know. 
I, I have well, to I like awakening, but I think we can say it like uh, wake up body of Christ or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like time my, to wake up. Do you like my grab your shoes, your Bible? I do. I, I like grab, revival. I, I like the Bible and revival. It's pretty good. I hope Ethan and Heather's will listen on the way to work. Um, I'm really proud of this ride. I'm, I'm proud of this jingle that I'm making up as we go this morning. By the time that we're done, it's going to be pretty epic. All right. Um, I'm almost done with it. And this is just a taste of what you could have with the Aaron and Ethan show. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get him on the radio, but. Oh, my goodness. We have so much fun. All right. Um, I guess I better get back to the serious stuff. Um, <laughs> well, this is pretty serious because it's going to be a jingle that pretty much changes the game next week. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but no, we are so excited for our share It is next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I, I get it. We, um, um, it's, it's, it's raising funds for Box 2 Radio. Um but it's more than just raising funds. It's a chance for people to sow seed and help partner with us. Yes. And so, because when you partner with us, we're seeing souls saved. We're seeing lives changed. We're seeing the saints edified. And you may never talk on the microphone. But when you partner with us, even for $15 a month, that's significant for us. Mm-hmm. Amen. And it keeps us going strong. It keeps us moving forward. And that is our heartbeat, is that we would be a body of Christ. We would be a radio station that are seeing, that's going to expand and grow and see more lives changed. Amen. Amen. And um, we're well aware that we have grown things and we have places to improve and places of that. Um, and we always ask for people to pray for us. And, um, you know, the enemy would love to hit wherever he can. He wants to cause division. He wants to cause separation. And I believe the radio station can be a tool to bring unity between the body, um, unity between the churches. And we love our Box 2 Radio family tremendously. We appreciate every person that listens, whether it's five, 500, or 5,000. We have no idea how many people listen. We just know this. We love you guys. And if you ever have a Bible question, you can text me at 270-230-6337. Again, that's 270-230-6337. And we will make an honest attempt of answering your Bible question the best that we know how to. Or if you have a Bible question or a Bible dialogue or something you just need talked about. So say, I need to grow in prayer. How do I do that? That's permissible. That's fine. Uh, maybe you're reading and you say, I don't understand um, the book of Deuteronomy or the Deuteronomy. I know, I know how to say it. Just, just, <laughs> all right. Um, okay. All right. All right. I have some, I have my business partner. He just chimed in. Um, <laughs> I got my business partner. Let's see here. Um, I got to throw this in here and we'll see how this sounds for my thing. He sent you. <laughs> oh yeah. He sent me. We're, we're a partners. We're partners. All right. Uh, <laughs> I love this. All right. Sherathon, 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 it's time to give those funds. We're excited for you to arrive with us, so come get on the bus. The Lord is changing people. Let's not just stay under the steeple. Grab your shoes, your Bible, and let's go spread revival. The body of Christ is awakening. The devils and the men are quaking. <laughs> See, that's awesome. <laughs> the devil's men are quaking. The, the devils and his minions are quaking. <laughs> or uh, shaking. You could say shaking. Uh Shaking or which one rises the awakening more, shakening or quakening? Shakening is probably easier to say. The devil's minions are shakening. Uh, I'm about to figure this out. It, this is, <laughs> we're on track now. We're on track. By the end of this broadcast, we're gonna have a full jingle. <laughs> this may or may not have been something we did last night, but um, 
Not this not jingle. Not for this jingle. Not this jingle. This is all. This is. This is a spontaneous. You jingle. all. You all get to experience the process. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if any listeners have ideas for a jingle, send it in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people are really going to think. <laughs> we, we, I, I don't want people to think we're really starting a business though. <laughs> No, this is just all fun and games for Sherathon. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, if somebody out there does a singing telegram business, I will send them to my wife today. <laughs> like if somebody does this, I, I'm not kidding you. I would I would pay for them to go today. Um, and I say that with all seriousness. She's probably not listening no more. She's already at work. She's already doing her thing probably at work. So if there's a singing telegram company. That is willing in in Litchfield, and you just you get in contact with me, and I will pay for you to go do a singing telegram to my wife today because that would be epic. <laughs> but I need it videoed. So if this has happened, I'm telling Ethan so he can video it so I can see it. Um, I will be in a lot of trouble, but it will be worth it all. <laughs> Her name is Heather. Hey, Amen. Uh, <laughs> all right, Hannah. Um, do we have any Bible questions on your end? Well, we had the one left over. Okay. <clears throat> from yesterday about Lazarus, remember? Yes, yes. Um, read it again if you don't care. Do you remember it? Um, yeah, I can pull it back up. Let's see. And while she's pulling up, don't forget we have Representative Steve Meredith coming on at 8 o'clock with us today. And then uh, Brother Charles Bjork will be on at, of course, 830 with his science department. And Jason will be over there for that. So excited for that this morning. So the question said, Lazarus had no faith to be, well, it wasn't really a question. It was a random snippet, they said. Um, Lazarus had no faith to be raised from the dead because he was dead. However, God still raised him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lazarus. Let's get a little bit of context of what we were talking about yesterday. Lazarus could not agree to it, of course. We understand that he was kind of dead. Um but I do think that Jesus said over and over that this was happening so that they may believe. So he was very specific with this miracle because it was never like he, in this regard, he really didn't need their faith because Mary and Martha didn't have faith. His disciples were struggling with their faith and he looks at everybody. Nobody and he, really had faith. He wept like he was broken over the situation because in 1135, I think it is, he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but it, he just looked upon them and he began to weep. He told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and life. They're like, yeah, I know that if you would have been here, he lived or on the day of resurrection, he'll rise. And he said, no, I am. He's trying to get them to understand that he is. And he said, this, this, this sickness is not unto death, but why? What is it? It's for the glory of God. And it's for you all that you may believe he's actually doing this miracle to build their belief and to build their faith. But I do think that um, per se, well, actually, if you even go back, like Jairus's daughter, I know Jairus had faith, but once they got in the room, it looked like faith was kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but Jesus had faith and he awakened the dead girl, Jairus's daughter. So we see this a lot with resurrection. Now there is very pointedly scripture though, that he said he could not do many miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that unbelief can be an inhibitor to, to miracles. And didn't we talk about how when Jesus was weeping that it was, we talked about this, right? 
because in our study, in our John study, we covered this when Jesus weeps. Um, but about how like they were so f- they didn't have faith and they didn't believe that that was part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we did. And, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want it to be so much. I think a lot of times what we do is we make everything very cookie cutter mm-hmm. and well, if it happened this way, one time he's got to do it away this time. Uh-huh. And this is the thing I found about God. He will blow that box completely out of the water. Yeah. Um, he never contradicts his word, but it don't have to look the same every time. Mm-hmm. And um, really, John the Baptist came preaching to a generation, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's basically telling them, change the way you're thinking or you're going to miss Jesus when he comes. Yeah. Because Jesus didn't come like they thought he should. And what I want to be careful of is thinking that just because it happened this way there, it's going to happen this way here. Yeah, we kind of talked about this yesterday, um, Greg and I did, after the broadcast, that God is sovereign no matter what. That, like, usually when we aren't having faith, it affects, like, it's our relationship with the Lord that it affects. And, like, our prayers, whatever we're praying for. But every person has their own relationship with the Lord. So, like, if I'm not having faith, then, like the people in the, when Jesus might cast me out of the room... If I'm having unbelief, but I don't believe that me having unbelief and me, it, I don't think it depends on me or another Christian for someone to get their healing. I think we can clear that up. Like it's not, it's not us that is, I mean, the Lord, Jesus gave us the power of healing, but the Lord is the ultimate decider of who he wants to heal and who he doesn't. He's sovereign. Yep. He is sovereign, and he's good. But I definitely don't think this gives us an excuse not to have faith. Oh, yeah. At the same time. I think there's both. There's It's definitely not giving us an excuse not to have faith, because we see here Jesus is weeping, and nobody's having faith, and he's having to do this to just to give them faith, to help them believe. Um, yeah. Well, that was his purpose in doing it, one of his purposes. I mean, he yeah. loved Lazarus, too. There was love there. Um, so we can't use it as an excuse, but we also need to remember that it's not us. It's not by our power. It's by his power. Yeah. And I think that, I think one thing we've done is we try to think that if we had enough faith, we can even change God. Mm. And that's never the case. My faith is not about dictating everything around me. My faith is saying, I trust in him. Yeah. I trust in him. And whatever the outcome, whatever the situation, I know he's good. And I trust in him. I'm walking with him. I'm staying with him. If if the miracle doesn't happen like I think it should, I still faith, I still trust in him. Yeah. See, the issue with Nazareth was that well, he's Joseph's son. He's he's Mary's son. Do you remember that whole Mary Joseph scandal? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they didn't trust in him. It wasn't that they didn't just. I'm sure they heard the miracles. I'm sure they heard the testimonies. It was never about like. For them, probably, could God heal or not? Because they were already hearing about that. Mm-hmm. I think their struggle was him. Because he's doing these, but isn't that Mary's son? And we all know about Mary. Because we may have the revelation about Mary, but they probably never got the full revelation because, well, the angel didn't appear to them like he did Joseph. Yeah. So they're probably still speculating. Mary and Joseph's son? Like, I remember. I remember when she just turned up pregnant out of nowhere. 
and they weren't even fully married. Like, do you remember that? And this now this guy's supposed to be the son of God. They had trouble trust, trusting in him. And yeah. a lot of people today, I think one of the reasons that miracles and signs and wonders are not following the church as much is because, honestly, we're trying to trust in them more than we are him. Yep. And we trust in his hand more than his heart. And as long as we get to dictate his hand, we'll follow. But the moment we have to follow his heart, we're out. Because now I don't want to submit to nobody. And that submission to nobody isn't just natural. A lot of times that's spirit, that it's spiritual submission too. And so I don't want to be under authority. If you have problem with earthly authority, you probably have problem with heavenly authority too. And I say that with my love and my as much kindness as I can filter up. But if you have a problem submitting to earthly authority, then most likely you probably have a problem submitting to heavenly authority. And you'll follow God as long as God does what you want him to do. But the moment that God does something different than you want him to do, it's not necessarily meaning that you have a lack of faith or anything like that. Now, if you bail on him at that point, that does demonstrate some stuff. But I've prayed for things that didn't come to pass that I really did feel like I have faith over. But then I have to get to this point where I believe that God is greater than me and he knows more what's going on than me and maybe that person didn't receive the healing because maybe there's some other things attached to the healing the sickness maybe like they have a spirit of affirmity maybe they have unforgiveness maybe they're drinking at a table of doctrines of devils and the lord's supper Mm -hmm. and the bible talks about how that causes sickness i can never faith over somebody's issues yeah and if there's a sin in their life causing the sickness where and where's that in scripture it's all over he mm-hmm. talks about it like the Corinth, the Corinth church, they were trying to eat from tables of de- demons and from the table of the Lord. And whenever that happens, there was things happening in the Corinth church that was a consequence of that. Yeah. So I could go into the Corinth church and you can't tell me Paul didn't have miracles. And faith. When, and when you get closer to Jesus and hear his voice as he says, my sheep hear my voice, then you'll be able to discern. Yeah. Now we won't all. I don't think we will always know what <coughs> it is. I don't think that discernment will always come. That revelation might come to somebody else, maybe not us. Because there's been times I've asked and asked and asked, Lord, what is the reason? And I do believe there's some things that we don't get a reason. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe the closer we get to the Lord, he will show us and give us discernment on how to pray. Yeah, I agree. And so uh, I don't, I mean, I don't disagree with the statement that Lazarus didn't have faith to believe for himself, but Jesus had enough faith. Uh-huh. And Jesus didn't in this moment. It wasn't about it wasn't about their faith getting the job done. It was about him actually trying to build their build faith. Their faith. And yeah. he was using this situation to build their faith. Then in other parts, though, for me, for instance, like when the four friends ripped the roof off and placed the guy, I believe their faith activated some stuff. There. Yeah. Whenever the woman who was um, had the issue of blood for twelve years fought her way through the ground got to Jesus, I think her faith touching him pulled power out of him that everybody else's touch didn't pull out. Uh So I think our faith does matter, but I don't think our faith is the only thing all the time. But then if we have complete unbelief, we all know that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha did not not believe in Jesus. Yeah. Like we all know that. They're even professing an amount of faith whenever he says, I know if you would have been here, you would have healed him. And I know that you will raise him up on the day of resurrection. So whether it's the kind of faith he's looking for right now or not, that was still faith. Yeah. Whereas the city of Nazareth, they were just against Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, I don't, this is just Mary and Joseph's son. That is true. If we believe that Jesus is Jesus and we believe his word, then we do have a measure of faith. Yes. 
And so, um, but I think Nazareth didn't have that. And I think that's why he could not do miracles there. Um, and so I just think we have to be careful to, um, to say that I can overfaith any situation. Yeah. Because you can't. I can have, I think Paul probably had faith for healing, but he couldn't go in there and see God heal all these things if they're trying to eat from the table of demons and the table of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Because there's a situation there. And God is not going to bless the situation. And and I, I say this a lot, and people really do get kind of pushed back on this. And I'm not saying every time as a general statement, because, again, I just went into the whole cookie cutter thing. So God can do what God wants. But, like, my if 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 you do something to harm your body intentionally for 50 years and then you get sick from it, you're unwilling to quit the action and then you get mad at God for not healing you. I just feel like at that point you are truly treating Jesus as your sugar daddy and not as your God Yeah. because you are intentionally putting something in your body that's causing this sickness and you want God to eradicate the sickness, but not deal with the issue. Yeah. And, and I think at that point, that's just ludicrous to think. And and so it's like if my bad, poor eating habits cause something to happen in me. Now, I'm praying God gives me the strength to stop or whatever like that. But if my body goes somewhere and I can't look at God and say, you just did not do your job. And I bet I think that's what we do a lot. Because we want God to give us bailouts, not to give us life and life more abundantly. And so we look for him to do something that enables us to keep going. Yeah. And keep, so uh, one of the things that I know this is a touchy subject, but I'll just, I, I say this in love. My grandparents smoked forever. They both had lung issues. They both died from repercussions of lung issues. They would never stop smoking. So it's like, is that God's fault he didn't heal them? Or... You know, was there never enough, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And so, and I'm not trying to say it's blame. I'm not trying to put the blame on anybody. I'm just trying to get us to realize that God's not our sugar daddy who just kind of does whatever we want. Yeah. And we get to do whatever we want, and then it's his responsibility to bail us out. And that's just, I don't see that in Scripture whatsoever myself. Really? I mean, we don't talk about that enough. We really don't health <laughs> yeah like doing because that really is disobedient <laughs> yes sorry ethan sent me more of the jingle <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get caught up on a couple texts so um yeah. amen but the holy spirit will help if we will let him help us overcome these things all right are you ready i think the jingle is done all right Hold on, no, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, I got to finish this up somehow. We'll finish this up on the break, and I will sing the official jingle. At the, very, at the end. How's the- that? Senator Steve's going to come in here and be like, what What are they doing? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Senator Mary's going to be like, what are they doing in here? Oh, all right. Let's do this. Um, well, um, you could just hurry up and finish it and then come in a little bit early. <laughs> well, we could. Um, all right, Hannah. Um, <clears throat> oh, I need to figure this. I got to finish this one. There, it needs one last line to tie everything together. 
and this will may this may be the most epic. See, all I need is my business partner in this venture, <laughs> and we we've cat we have we have united for the battle. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, let's do our second trivia question for this morning, sponsored by Hidden Land Survey. And we'll take a break. We're gonna come back with Senator Meredith coming in here in a minute, and then we are going to final. I'm gonna finalize this jingle, and we'll do the official jingle run through. We're unveiling this live on the air this morning this is <laughs> this is history in the making all right all right thursday question number two sponsored by heating lane surveying where did god pare down gideon's troops to three 300 men where did god pare down gideon's troop to 300 men what location did he do that at 270-257-2689 we'll be right back here after the break on mornings of box two radio on the box two radio network all right, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Um, we have with us in the studio is going to be Brother Steve, uh, Representative Steve Meredith is in here with us, and we are excited for all that God is doing. Now, um, we are fully aware that we've been unraveling this new jingle because um, we have a um, – before we get into what the state of Kentucky, I just got to read this jingle real fast. Um, Brother Steve – how, how first of all, how are you doing this morning? Bless me on measure. How about Amen. you? Amen. Um, you know, you've been in business for a while now, and one thing that we discovered last night is Litchfield does not possess a singing telegram business. <laughs> um, and so we're we're trying to figure this out. So I wrote a jingle for the Sheraton. Is that okay to? Well, I can't certainly. sing. I can't sing this, but I got this. Me and Ethan, we have figured. Ethan sent husband. me a scripture. Uh, he sent me a scripture for it. Well, I haven't got that. We we'll have to add Second that. Second Corinthians nine. All right. Sherathon, 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 it's time to give those funds. We're excited for you to ride with us, so come get on the bus. The Lord is changing people. Let's not just stay under the steeple. Grab your shoes, your Bible, and let's go spread revival. The body of Christ is awakening. The demons and his minions are in their boots awakening. It's time for us to stop faking. He did not ask call to be flaky. As the body of Christ, we can rest in what we know. What we are led to sow will be returned to us tenfold. So join us next Wednesday. It's going to be such a great day. This is the season at the crew to do more than just sit in their pews. How's that? You, you have missed your calling. <laughs> well, that's a lot of help for listeners. The listeners have been helping me write that jingle all day long. So I really need my partner, and, um, you know, Ethan, to be here to sing this with us. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, we had to do that because they've been working hard. So <laughs> catchy tune, I'm impressed. Everybody, grab grab your Bible, grab your shoes. Let's go spread revival. It's all in your head all day long. Uh, that's probably my favorite part. <laughs> grab your Bible, go spread revival. All right. Well, Representative Meredith, how are you doing? Um, how's the state of Kentucky doing? Uh, well, you know, it's uh, challenging times for everyone right now. Yes. Um, but once you get beyond that, um, we lived in a blessed state and. Just driving over this morning, such a beautiful state. Yes. And it's matched only by the beautiful people of our commonwealth, and um, we truly are blessed. But a lot of challenges coming up for us, and um, um, we need uh, prayer and guidance. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. We're noticing more and more just how much people are hurting. They are. Um, quite terrific. I don't know how working families are surviving today. I mm-hmm. guess it's on credit cards, but uh, probably the most challenging time I've seen in the seven years that I've been in the state Senate. and. Um, I hope we can find some way to provide some relief. But, um, again, we need prayer. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're, we're noticing that more and more. I know um, food banks are coming more important. 
um, financial help, whatever that looks like, just getting food. Like food's really becoming the issue for people because it's just becoming so expensive to go to the grocery store. And um, we we hear from it. We see people all the time that are that are hurting. And I know that this is a thing that's impacting the state of Kentucky, but also the whole United States in, in reality. And it's more pronounced in rural communities such as the one we live in, you know, um, things such as gasoline. You know, mm-hmm. People kind of take that for granted. But you remember three or four years ago, gas was less than $2 a gallon, and now it's pushing $4. And yes. that, more than anything, hurts working families. And yes. You mentioned food. Uh, I'm worried about transportation in the future, not just gasoline, but the cost of automobiles. And, mm-hmm. you know, the UAW is looking at the potential of a strike, and they're wanting a 40% pay increase, and that's going to be passed through in sticker price. And I saw a, a sticker price on a pickup truck the other day was $72,000. Yes, sir. Average American can't afford that. And you couple that with uh, the, the, the things such as uh, the cost of health care. You know, we're spending almost $13,000 per capita in the United States, double what other industrialized nations are, are, are spending. And um, this has got to be a stopping point. I'm mm-hmm. really concerned that uh, we're going to see a recession in the next couple of years. And that's kind of a reset of our economy. But uh, these are scary times. Yeah. Do you feel like we're heading more towards a recession or de- depression? Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a recession, but I pray it's not a depression. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are dark economic clouds on the horizon. You look at everything, just as we've talked about, inflation. Uh, I think we're going to see at some point in time it's going to be a job reduction. The, the cost of construction of housing right now, it's just it's it's cascading. And uh, there's got to be a point where the economy just cannot sustain itself any longer unless we that drastic of an adjustment. Yes. So what are we all doing in, uh, you know, what's a talk around in in frankfurt right now like what's the talk with how are you all going to get the job done what are you all wanting to do some some measures maybe um i know a lot of talks probably around the election at the moment so it is that seems to be on everyone's mind and naturally so but um you know when we're in session which ends either march 30th or april 15th depending on whether it's an odd number year or even number year we're coming up on the um, the long session, which will be April 15th. Yeah. And we have a long session because we have to do the budget. Mm-hmm. And this will be my fourth budget session. And in spite of the job growth that we've seen over the last uh, three or four years, I think it's going to be the most challenging budget that we've had since I've been there. Yeah. Because we've got a lot of businesses that have relied upon COVID funding for operations. And they're coming to us now and say, um, you know, it's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Can you help us? And unlike the federal government, our state government can't print money. What yep. we have is what we have. Yeah. And our revenues are growing, but so are the expenses. You know, I serve as a co-chair of government contract review, so we see every contract that comes to the state. And the cost of construction is doubled. Yeah. Quite literally. Uh, in Everyone I'm talking to right now, when when we're in what we call our interim session, that's when we have committee meetings to prepare for the next uh, legislative session. But everyone wants to talk about their budget, and the fiscal asks are just astronomical. There's not going to be enough money there to take care of everyone's needs, which is very unfortunate. I think we'll have to make some very tough decisions. Some folks are going to be disappointed. We got to establish some priorities. I think those priorities will probably be. Uh, education workforce development because we have to get people back to work yeah but hand in hand with that when you think about uh, workforce um a real crisis with the child care right now mm-hmm. and there, there's you wouldn't believe what they call child care deserts across the state of kentucky but um you know, we have to have that so that mothers and fathers can go into the workforce and uh, they're just not enough and those that are they're underpaid 
I heard a fiscal ask the other day for $330 million uh, to help supplement that. And uh, when you look at the budget that we have in, in the state, that's a significant portion of it. Sure. Uh, even though we have tried to address the pension crisis uh, over the last um, six, seven years, uh, I think we've stopped the bleed. You know, at one time um, uh, it was heading towards $60 billion unfunded. I think we're now about $41 billion, but not there yet. The long-range plan is to have it fully addressed by 2049, which I won't be around by then, but um, I hope and pray that's the case. But that takes a good portion of our uh, budget, uh, which we would hope to spend other places. Yeah. And i got to apologize. I do this to you every time. Senator Steve mm-hmm. Merritt, not representative. I always do that. And I apologize. I know you're a senator. Um, and so <laughs> I do that every time with you. Um, I do represent the people. Yeah, you do. But I, I apologize every single time I do that. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a second. I said, because I was getting ready to say that we had Representative Nancy Tate on. Now, she is a representative. Yes, she is. And a great one at that. She is. She's a phenomenal um, woman of God. Just yes, uh, We love Miss Nancy so much. But she was on here with us a few weeks ago. And she was talking about the workforce. And she she said something, and I've been trying to research this. She said, was it, Haney, you was on here, 40%? Is that what it was? 40% of able-bodied workers in the state of Kentucky are not working right now. And, you know, that's not a, a new figure. It's a little bit higher than it's been traditionally. But the problem with our state financially is that over the years, 50% of the income has been exempted from taxation. 50%. Mm-hmm. Then we got 40% of the working age adults are now in the labor force. That leaves a very small percentage of our population that's carrying the full tax burden for the Commonwealth. And that's the working families. And that's just not fair. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to address that through uh, reducing a personal income tax. And we'll have see another reduction this January. In the time I've been in office, we've reduced personal income tax by 33%. But we still have to grow our revenues, and yeah. so uh, you know we're looking at a broader base of consumption tax, which uh, focuses on things you buy with discretionary income. So it's not raising taxes on people, just making sure everybody pays their fair share. Mm-hmm. And historically, that has not happened. That forty percent that's not contributing to the tax base. Many of them are also getting entitlement payments, which we're responsible for. So it's a double whammy. Mm-hmm. If we can address that, we can right the ship fiscal ship very quickly. But. Uh, um, it's going to take some strong decisions. Now, is this is this workforce, though, is that because they don't want to or there's not jobs? Oh, there's jobs. There's lots of jobs. And, yeah. you know, with my health care background, um, that's why I stay really tuned in, particularly since I'm chair of the Health Services Committee. But we have a shortage, a projected shortage of 10,000 registered nurses alone. And that's just one segment of the health care um, field. But there's thousands of jobs that are available. Mm-hmm. Uh, just we need to provide the, the training, and that's why I say I think the priority we'll have for this next legislative session, the budget will be workforce development education. It has to be. Yeah. Well, if we can shift gears a little bit now, you know, as a radio station, we stay pretty neutral and everything because we have to. But how do you feel personally, you know, with the election? How do you feel like it's going? Do you feel like um, for me, I know it's like not as the host, just as Aaron for a second. I know without choosing sides or anything it just feels like there's not much excitement around it for a government race and i'm concerned about that i am as well and usually campaigns really don't gear up until after labor day well labor day is coming gone and yeah i I think people are are the general public just they're tired of politics and i can't fault them it's such a acrimonious uh, situation right now and 
it, it's not a fun place to be. And I think a lot of people are just saying, enough's enough. I, I want to withdraw from it, which is the worst thing you can do. Sure. We have to have turnout. You know, I think during this last primary, uh, turnout was about 10%. It was really low. And we take for granted one of the greatest gifts that we have, and that's uh, the, the freedoms in this country is we want to select our elected leaders. And if you don't step up, then you're going to get exactly what you don't want to get. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I'm feeling, too. Like, you just you look out. You don't even see yard signs a lot. You're not seeing anything. You don't see much, like, push people's like ah the election's coming up you know it's i don't know if it's i think there is a political fatigue to it because it seems like we're always in a cycle but also i'm not for sure if the american people in general just don't trust like it's just like there's that distrust in them that's building whether the rhetoric is right or not i'm not here to say that but when you have enough of rhetoric then it does start to influence the way people feel, process, and what they'll give their time and emotion to. Oh, I think you're so right about that. And uh, folks are just tired of it. Yeah. And I think they feel hopeless. And yep. that's what maybe concerns me the most. And, you know, uh, people can live without food for 40 days and live without water for four days. You can live without oxygen for four minutes, but you can't live a day without hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been robbed from the American people. Yeah. I think another thing is maybe the state elections being overshadowed by the upcoming presidential election in 2024. And uh, that's a cycle that I run in. And usually uh, the, the turnouts are better, mm-hmm. but we really can't wait. And sure. we need to be engaged. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I've just I've talked to several people, and you know everybody I've talked to sh- kind of shares the same concerns I do. It's just you're you're completely right about the low turnout in the primary, but we're gonna have another low turnout if there's not excitement somehow being built. Um, and I just we're we're afraid because I think we're all feeling it's not there, <laughs> and so um, it's apathy, and uh, that's the worst thing you can possibly have is. Be mm-hmm. apathetic about something. I, I say, you know, either love me or hate me, but just don't ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get ignored, but I get liked or loved or hated. One of the two. Um, <laughs> and so, but um, well, I think it's the nature too of the political campaigns you do see. You know, they're so attacking, sure. attackable. Sure, sure. Word and and just. I think people need to run on their record, not on people's personalities and their and their their previous decisions because everything's subject interpretation and um i just like to see more positive campaigns yeah yeah i agree and i've said that a lot too like you you hear people running their campaign but you really never know what they stand for because the only thing you know is what they stand against exactly and well what are you going to do how are you going to how are you going to turn this ship around how are you going to fix this how are you going to generate some economic development for the state of kentucky how are we getting the 40 percent that's not working that's able-bodied back into the workplace well, you know, maybe what you was talking about, the entitlement issues and or the, um, you know, the the benefits or something to help in that system. Well, maybe you start to decrease some of that to some people and force them to get back on that. Like, just give me something like I don't care if it's the right answer or the wrong answer. At least I can think about what you're telling me, because 90 percent of the time, especially since really this has probably been exacerbated since 2016. Whenever that whole campaign with Trump and Hillary that that went crazy, and then since then it's just been a fight since then every every election cycle is a fight, and before that it was still there, but I think in the last eight years, seven or eight years, it's been exacerbated and 
And there's a division there in the United States that if we don't learn to try to fix this division somehow, a state's divided against itself cannot stand. Well, I think you're right in that uh, you've really seen it since 2016. But, you know, it's interesting that just as soon as uh, the election's over, we start attacking whoever was elected. And it goes back to that uh, fatigue that we're talking about is it's every day that you hear it. And, you know, we're a country of 330 million people. But it seems like all the focus is on uh, former President Trump and former President Biden. Let's get beyond that. There's great leaders in this nation that Mm -hmm. uh, could step forward and and pride the leaders and leadership that we need. And my prayer every day is, you know, dear Lord, forgive us for our sins. (laughs) And we have a multitude of them. But send us the leaders we need to unite this nation and make us a shining example of Christian values and democracy for the rest of the world to see. Mm -hmm. We are that shining light. We should be that shining light that Ronald Reagan talked about and um we're not at present yeah um and you know and trying to help working families i think more of that's going to have to come at the national level we'll do everything we possibly can at the state level with this budget but uh, it's going to take at the national level again talking about gasoline prices that can be addressed immediately you know we were an energy dependent nation just less than four years ago and now we're not you know, this thing about um, the, the new green deal, mm-hmm. I understand. And I know there's a lot of argument about the, the nature of our, uh, um, our our planet, whether it's, sure. it's, it's really heating up or it's cooling off. I'm not sure which, but to put all that burden on the United States to correct that is, is not a fair position. You know, again, our population is 330 million. China is 1.3 billion. Mm-hmm. India is 1.3 billion. What we do is minuscule compared to what they Are could be do. doing, should be doing. And as far as I know, they're not doing anything over there. Yep. And this push for uh, electronic vehicles. Again, how's the average working family going to afford one of those? Because mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, particularly if you have a hybrid right now, that uh, it's good for about a hundred thousand miles, and you got to replace the battery in it, and the battery costs more than a car does. Yes. How are working families going to handle that? They can't. Mm-hmm. So I think these can, things can be handled, but they should be handled. Um, I think naturally through uh, the uh, capitalist system, mm-hmm. the supply and demand. It'll take care of itself if we allow it. But anytime you have government interference and something like that, it, it's going to distort the economy, which we're seeing right now. Yeah. And I think we're seeing a lot of political figures being exposed right now for the backdoor deals, the corruption, the the fill in the pockets. You know, there's a lot of questions like and a lot of people's getting questions and on both sides. And so I feel like as more of the the backdoor dealings are done and corporations are not feeding pockets behind the scenes to create laws and to get things done, then we will have competition coming back in. Well, every day uh, when we start our legislative session, we do the Pledge of Allegiance, uh-huh. just as we do in our schools and, uh, and civic groups and so forth. But there's times I think we really need to change that to reflect uh, what's happening in this country. And I think the pledge probably uh, would be uh, a pledge of allegiance to the dollar, mm-hmm. to the greed for which it stands. Yes. One purpose and one purpose only, increase profits and dividends for all. Yep. And I think the corporatization of America is one of the biggest challenges. And that's not to be confused with capitalism. I'm an ardent proponent of capitalism. Me too. But what we're seeing in the corporations, if you don't have a, a social soul, then it's not in the benefit of the nation. 
you know, and Mahatma Gandhi said that. He says one of the, the, the seven deadly sins is uh, commerce without morality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually the person that's run over is the working class man at that point. Always, yes. Yeah, and um, it, that's the problem. Now, I do think that, like, I know that in, you know, Hannah, who kind of represents the Generation Z group, they're starting to see this stuff. And I think this is one of the hard things that's, hard to get them involved in politics is because they see all of that going on and and then they they want to they want social justice and then this one side may say well we're going to give you social justice but then they try to mask everything else that's going on so then they start to see this and i feel like at the end of the day generation z and i would love to ask your input in this they feel like nobody really represents what they feel how do we fix that i think we fix that by changing our, our whole model of of governance it needs to be at the local level as much as possible mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem is that when you make decisions at the federal level and even the state level people don't feel an involvement in that yeah and i think everything we can possibly do at the local level building up communities and letting people make those decisions for themselves will make us a, a better stronger country but the problem that we have presently is there's just no accountability in government whatsoever mm-hmm. other than elections. But, again, as we said, people are disenfranchised by that. So yeah. one of the things I attempt to do as a state legislator is every decision we can possibly make at the local level needs to be made there. And hopefully people will become engaged with that knowing they've got some ownership for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I do think that's um, one of my, my greatest concerns is – the relationship that Generation Z and even those younger millennials have with politics because there's such a distaste. And if people who are, you know, older than me and going to the baby boomers and all that, if they're getting frustrated with elections and they're getting frustrated with voting and they're very involved, they understand what a, a lot of them know the impact and the cost of voting and other things more than maybe the youngers represent. But if they're disenfranchised, if they're disgusted, if there's no trust there and they're stopping, how much more would the younger generation stop? Well, I think another thing that complicates it, and we talked about this earlier, is um, we've lost our ability to effectively communicate. Mm -hmm. People don't talk anymore. And you just look at society and you, know, you go to any event and you see people looking at their iPhones rather than talking to each other and rely on social media to convey a message, which is the worst means of communication to really create meaningful dialogue. And yeah. really, we have lost the ability to talk to each other. Yep. It can't happen. Yeah. And it's it's affecting our, our younger generation. And I see it uh, yeah. today. And we've got to turn that around. Yeah. Because even with social media, I tell kids all the time, um, I'm around teenagers and younger people quite a bit. And I know that it's teaching them not to think deeply because everything has to be on 30 second cycles or you don't, you're not watching or you're not in tuning in. But I think more than that too, though, social media and the, the, um, the availability of media on any level at any time and the mass amount of media that we can consume in a day, it provokes and really uh, encourages people to always have a camera in front of them. So now every time there is quote unquote communication between party lines or something like this, there's always a camera involved because somebody wants to make a statement. 
and they want to show how they're right and the other person's wrong. But in communication, when I do a marriage counseling session, there's his truth, her truth, and then the truth. And the thing we're trying to get to is the truth. I would say the truth is in the middle because you've <laughs> got to hear both sides, but yeah. you're so right about that. And um, I think another problem that we deal with is there. there's no accountability in, in life anymore. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they want to go through life with no issues, no problems whatsoever. You know, it's alarming the amount of mental health issues that suppose we face right now. The world has, has been the way it is since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And I think we've set a self a, a wrong self-expectation for people that life's going to be easy. Life will never be easy. It's always been hard. Uh, it's hard today and it'll be hard in the future. And to try to shield people from that is not uh, uh, reality. Mm-hmm. And as a result, and one of the most alarming statistics I've heard since I've been in the Senate is human age development. You know, in 1900, the human brain was fully developed at 18 years of age. Today, it's almost 26 years yeah. old because mm-hmm. we don't allow people to grow up. We don't allow them to take responsibility for their own decisions. And we chilled, uh, uh, and me being a parent, I guess I'm, I was responsible for it as well, is we try to shield our children as much as possible. Uh, I believe in uh, Nietzsche's philosophy that that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But if you never face adversity, you don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's where a lot of the mental health issues that we're dealing with right now uh, come from, is that we we haven't allowed children to face adversity and learn how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I say it a lot as we learn to treat symptoms but never eradicate the disease. Same way with, with government, I say that all the time as we're treating the symptom, but we don't cure the yeah. disease. Yeah. Like I mentioned, healthcare, as much as we spend on that and our outcomes are the worst uh, <laughs> in the industrialized nation. Again, we spend double what other industrialized nations uh, uh, spend, and our outcomes are nearly as good as yeah. theirs. Again, it goes back to people aren't accountable for their own health, and yeah. they should be. Yeah. Well, I know I, I appreciate um, men of God like you who step into it and fill that role and fill that position of what you're doing as um, one of the senators of the state. And I know that you all are working hard, but I do know too, and I believe that um, you know you all can only do so much. This nation's got to turn back to God, and we've got to give our hearts back to Him. And um, you're I still respect and honor you so much for your at the National Day of Prayer back in May. I just wanted to say I loved it so much because you, Representative Josh Calloway, was there and um, Judge Lucas was there. And so we had three people who are in the political field, and none of you all campaigned. None of you took it as an opportunity for you all to make a statement. You, All three of you all honored God tremendously and prayed without trying to show off. And I just honor all three of you for that so much. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, uh, Representative Callaway, Representative Tate, who you mentioned, and, and Judge Lucas, all great friends. And uh, I think we all will agree that we're here certainly by the will and grace of, of God, mm-hmm. no other reason. And it goes back to this election. Um, my late friend and mentor, Russ Hackley, uh, used to say, nothing rises above the leader. And that's true. It mm-hmm. sets the stage for everybody. And particularly this gubernatorial election, you need to look at that very, very hard. And um, obviously another commonality of, um, of the three uh, people I mentioned is we're pro-life. Mm-hmm. But you've got one gubernatorial candidate who is not. Mm-hmm. And I was asked that about one time, as you know, you're one issue 
and politicians said, no, I'm not. But if you're not pro-life, you're not willing to protect the most innocent elements of our society, can I look for you to protect me as well? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. And that goes back to who's going to be your leader and what do they stand for? Yeah. And it's so important to me to support people who are pro-life because, again, if you're not willing to protect the most innocent, what can I count on you for? Yeah. It's respect for life. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. We're out of time today. Um, Senator Mayor, thank you for coming in. I always appreciate you. And um, he's he's always Martin made a mark in my life from the days of coaching me in AU basketball and remember beating him so many times at knockout three-pointers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you so much for all you do we honor you and appreciate you well we're going to take a break here and we're going to come back with mr bjork and jason miller here after the break here on mornings of- okay we are back this morning and happy to have you with us and on a friday morning a beautiful friday morning uh, at least here in kentucky and uh, we have with us uh, mr charles bjork brother bjork are you with us I am here. All Good right. Here from you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I would say we have beautiful weather here in in Kentucky and McDaniel's. What's what's it like in your neck of the woods? It's uh, gloomy and it looks like uh, the sky is going to fall. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's. I guess you're not having any leftovers from the uh, from the uh, storm or anything, are you? We have a new storm. Oh no. Tropical storm, and we are target. We are ground zero for it, and should start um, probably in the next couple hours. And the sky is dark, and uh, we've seen no sign mm. of the sun. Oh boy! Um, is this a name storm? Um, I think it has a it has a tropical uh, storm name, and I couldn't tell you what it is. <laughs> okay, that's all right. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't aware. So, but I, I don't yeah. live in uh, in Virginia, so I guess that, that yeah. really really doesn't concern me that that much. But uh, other than that, doing well, I guess. Yes, everything is fine. Uh, a little trouble with the sun, and it's uh, going to give us more trouble from the sounds of things. Uh, um, we got uh, one guy came on uh, and said uh, the sun is broken. Oh boy. <laughs> That, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that could be a problem. Well, I, I think it was uh, he was gilding the lily a little, but yeah. uh, it certainly was some tremendous solar storm that we uh, had. And um, last uh, yesterday, I <laughs> recognized the significance of it when the internet went down. Yeah. <laughs> It was down for two hours here, and my brother in Florida said it was down for two hours down there. Uh, and the dude, reason is that they, they had a huge um, uh, pileup of uh, the moon uh, generated a whole big shaped uh, like a, a uh, wheel uh-huh. uh, sitting on top of the north pole of the sun. And the volume of that was equal to one half of the sun itself so this is an amazing uh, really event. yeah and um so we had and what happened is that the uh, sun had generated one of its um spikes of uh sun material as it does in a lot of times in a in a solar flare 
and um, this thing was sitting right around it, and uh, solar flares going right up in the middle, and <clears throat> the volume of the sun uh, is uh, this particular part was one half of the entire sun, which is an extraordinary uh, amount of material. This location of the sun, and um, and then of course we everybody held their breath because the next thing that was going to come is a great big explosion. And sure enough, there was a great big explosion there in the North Pole of the Sun, and the, the, uh, everything from 55 degrees up to zero, see, the, on the Sun, the uh, um, latitude and longitude are done the same way as the Earth is, and so um, uh, 45 degrees would be the equator, and uh, 90 degrees would be the North Pole of the Sun. Hmm. So everything from 45 to 90 was covered with this gigantic quantity of sun, and then of course that's that's ready. That's a problem. Right. Yeah. And it did explode, and um, and and that big blast came. Uh, so it just sends out these tremendous amounts of electromagnetic radiation. Yes. Oh, and and that and yeah, and it, it, the thing is, it's not just photons. Photons, you know, they're going at the speed of light, and, and of course we can see that right away. Yeah. Um, but we can't see the buildup of the um, charged particles, and that's why we put the, the Parker satellite mm -hmm. around the sun. It's a satellite that hugs the sun and is time, constantly keeping track of what's going on there. And that was, uh, uh, show, uh, showed an enormous explosion and uh, that's what took down every time. Any time that happens, and it's, ha it's happened several times uh, since 1859. Uh, 1859 was a rem remarkable time because the only thing we had on wi with wires was the the uh, um, the uh, communication that they used in those days was yeah. the telegraph. Right. <laughs> and we had all these wires. They provided like a huge antenna. And so that thing went down for someone, I don't even know how long it was down for, but we experienced a similar thing here with when we have these uh, explosions. And what happens is you have a huge swarm of charged particles mm -hmm. coming at you. <clears throat> and so the, the guy who said the sun is broken, of course, was talking about that huge um, piece of the sun that was spinning around the north pole of the sun. And became an enormous explosion, sending all those charged particles. Now, first we got all the light particles that are just going at the speed of light. It only takes eight minutes to get here, but right. it takes hours and many hours for that charged particle to get here because they're moving more slowly. Right, yeah. And they estimated when they would hit, and they were wrong. <laughs> it came 12 hours earlier than they estimated. Oh. So nobody was really ready, and that's when the internet went down here. Okay. And, uh, and, I, and it went down here, and it went down in Florida. And I don't know if you guys had a similar breakdown, but it it, it didn't stay down, but it was down. Well, I, you know, I wasn't aware of what was going on until after the fact when you kind of alerted me. So uh, I don't know if I if we had any issues or not. Um, you know, I was kind of uh, ignorant of the matter. So. <laughs> Um, and I don't use the internet a lot during the day, so I can't say for sure. Um, 
And but anyway, yeah, I, I know it's it's been an issue in the past uh, with yeah. with other things, uh, more so uh, you know radio and television signals back when the over the air television signals uh, were going out. You know now everything's digital, right? And that's the part problem with those charged particles mm-hmm. coming in such quantity because they 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 will get into anything you've got, and that's why of course it went down. Now, I was really impressed that they could bring it back the internet, for example, in two hours. Yeah. Uh, under those circumstances, so they've obviously got some things in place that are fairly useful. Well, in, um, in your professional opinion, is the sun broken? No, <laughs> the sun is doing something it's never done before okay. that we know of. Right, and that is it's taken a big chunk of itself and it's sitting on top, and it probably will reinitiate uh, itself with the rest of the. Sun, but right now it's sitting there spinning, and uh, I was afraid we were going to lose the Parker satellite that we oh. got there around the sun. But that thing was going to be toast, I would have thought. But they made that thing really well shielded, and uh, it survived, much to my surprise. Yeah. And um, and and we probably lost a bunch of satellite systems temporarily. Sure. And of course, they're accustomed to this happening, and so they have ways to bring themselves back up. And they, they, like I say, the the systems that that have the internet um, were able to get back in two hours. And, right. And um, I'm sure there are local problems that are still in place. Uh, power supply uh, companies, for example, uh, they they struggle during times like that. Um, so that's uh, a little more excitement than anybody wanted yesterday. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that happened was that blast of uh, charged particles that came was was moving much faster than they anticipated. Yeah. Usually it takes like 5.2 days to get here, but it got here in 4.7 days yesterday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and uh, and that, um, uh, fortunately, they were able to come back online, and, and uh, but it was a, I'm sure it was a lot of people holding their breath uh, at that point in time. Um, so uh, that... Uh, the films of plasma form on the sun. They burst into space uh, right on the that time in uh, the 16th, and then the uh, the outer atmosphere of the sun uh, literally broke off. And that's why the guy said the sun was broken, which was an exaggeration. Since just the sun put a bunch of its stuff on near the North Pole, and it was radiating everything from there. And um, we. Uh, they kept, they kept saying we don't want to alarm any anyone, but the sun is broken. Yeah, <laughs> this wasn't a a voice of anybody who had any authority, of course. But he was going to take advantage of the opportunity to say that. Probably and, got a few clicks. That, that's right. Yeah. Um, so when it, when these kind of things happen, does it create more uh, of these auroras that you would see at the uh, North or yes. South Pole? Yes. In fact, um, when I was a kid growing up in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. We would see these auroras, uh, and of course, I didn't appreciate them so much in those days. Right. Yeah. Uh, being a twelve-year-old scientist or whatever, but um, yeah, we could go out and we'd see the green and the blue uh, in the sky, and I was hoping to see some of that from here yesterday, and uh, I didn't. What Neither did my brother in Florida. <laughs> yeah, but less like less likely for him for sure. Yeah, that's right. It gets worse as you go south. Yeah. One time in here in Kentucky, uh, in, in McDaniels, I have seen uh, the northern lights or auroras. 
um, one time, and uh, and it was it was amazing. And they were very very uh, active that particular night. And I yeah. I wasn't aware that it was going to happen, so I just happened to be outside after dark and saw that. And then, uh, of course, and that uh, was that was where you are. Yeah, and this was uh, was probably around uh, 2000 or some somewhere in that neighborhood there, uh, maybe 2001 or two. Um, so it, it was amazing. That's the only time in my life I've actually seen them, other than you know on television or something like that. But uh-huh. so yeah. it, it was an amazing so, thing. Yeah, it is, and it's uh, the farther north you go. Some of the uh, things that came over the Internet uh, were from Alberta and uh, various places in Canada and uh, Alaska because there and then also in the Scandinavian countries, they're going to have an enormous view of these things at that time of day, and, and they certainly saw, saw it, I'm sure. And um, hmm. um, we, we had... Um, A lot of excitement, anyways, needless to say, for that particular period of time. Right, yeah. All right, now, so uh, what else we got going on? Um, we got, and I don't know that it's directly related, but we have a whole bunch of lights going off on the planet Venus. Okay. Venus, of course, has this extraordinarily thick atmosphere, yeah. so you can never see what's going on down there, but apparently it was doing its own thing with the... Uh, uh, the, the bombardment from the sun of these uh, um, charged particles because um, it, it has somehow triggered a bright light. Uh, various places on, the, uh, on, on Venus, so much so that it goes through the clouds and we can see it, right. which is really remarkable. And uh, yeah. uh, that, that's uh, something that... Uh, we we can't explain exactly why that happens, and um, we're going to have to have some more stuff at at Venus before we'll probably be able to do it. Though, but we could it was clearly know what it was going on, and um, uh, so that was a little more excitement than anybody wanted. Uh, well, the astronomers would have loved. I'm sure they were regretting that when that internet and, and it went down, they couldn't get a lot of communication. But it did, like I say, it came back in a couple hours, and they were on business again. And so uh, the um, uh, tried to I came up with an analogy to help people understand All right. um, what these uh, uh, broken uh, sun means. And uh, um, people, uh, especially in Kentucky, are familiar with shotguns, and yeah. a lot of them are hunters. And if you had somebody. Uh, down the street pointing his shotgun at you when the, uh, the gun was discharged initially mm-hmm. with a big flash of light. And that's exactly what happened with the sun. You had a big flash of light right. uh, from it. And then, but, and we know that, hey, we got a flare coming. Well, the problem with that is these charged particles, they're like the bullets or the little things yeah. that count the little pieces of metal that come out of the shotgun and they uh, are moving not as fast but boy they have tremendous impact and that's exactly the, uh, the the proper analogy for what happened like a shotgun going off that we saw the flash yeah uh, the parker's telescope uh, got, or parker system found the 
you know, seen the blast, and, and now they is ready for the uh, charged particles. And I thought we were going to lose it as a result of the size of that blast. Yeah. But we didn't, and they stayed on there, and we uh, um, were happy to still have things going on there late at night after that. And uh, um, the uh, solar storms uh, came back in bulk then after that. The... Uh, uh, NASA and the other the uh, space uh, weather people uh, were issuing concerns about that, and, and of course the big impact of those huge charges that get discharged is that if you're a, a, a electrical company, you've got wires all over the place, <laughs> and those things often get very badly affected when these uh, storms come through, and um, uh, power companies, whether it's nuclear power or just standard. Uh, chemical power. Uh, they're gonna. They got all these pipes in the ground. That's like one huge antenna for all those charged particles, and so that really can raise havoc. Uh, and it, and it did. Um, now this isn't the first time we've had a thing like this. So some of these guys have put things in place. And they were able to to survive, and it was good news. Sure. Uh, real but, quick, um, I want to go back to Venus for just a second. Yeah. Um, how come? Venus is never really considered uh, as a landing place for um, for you know we talk about Mars all the time, but Venus is our next door neighbor, right. and I've I've heard it referred right. to as a twin as a twin planet. Yeah, uh, um, it, it's very much a twin. I mean, it's almost the same size. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference is what goes on underneath those clouds. Yeah, because it has a thick atmosphere. Yes, very very thick and very hot. You can all there's places on the surface of Venus that would melt lead. Oh my! And uh, <laughs> so you've got a really unhappy environment below that thick layer of clouds. Now somebody was suggesting once that we should have a, a probe that goes up there and and can see into or go through Venus's clouds because then then we could find evidence of life, and um, if it ever had anything there. And um, but I'm not even optimistic about that because Venus has an enormously dense atmosphere and the pressure there is extraordinary and the heat from the cloud tops down to the ground is unbelievable so much so that they say it could possibly and sometimes melt lead. If you just put a block of lead on the surface, it would melt it. Uh, yeah, I so, think we probably should stay away from that. <laughs> it's hard to keep a uh, a system functioning. Um, and we've had a couple actually we've put down on the surface, and of course they gathered some data, and then they were overcome by the the uh, heat. So it's a it's a rough uh, right. place to well, live. And it's kind of tragic because, like I say, it's as big <coughs> as the Earth. And yeah. We, if it was some way we could live uh, there or have a base or something, I'm sure we will eventually have something like that. But we don't have it now, and, and all of our attempts to get them have have. Um, been brutalized by the uh, weather. Hmm. Uh, I think the Japanese were going to send a orbiter uh, there that would get down through into the clouds, and that's uh, still something that might happen. We'll have to see. All right. Um, <clears throat> well, well, there's two other things that uh, I want to get to, but in, just in case we run out of time, and we probably we always do run out of time, but <laughs> that's all right. Uh, the the uh, you reported on the uh, the alien quote unquote alien that the uh, the, yes. the fella in Mexico found. Uh, any yes. updates on that? Is it? Uh, I assume it's some sort of hoax, but uh, have we uh, confirmed that? 
No, it wasn't so much a hoax as it was uh, the interpretation yeah. hoaxy. And um, they're still they're still working on that. Uh, you know, Mexico is a a little embarrassed because there were that was a national conference that they held for yeah. their government, and uh, and a lot of people were sitting in on that. And uh, uh, that uh, uh, created a lot of trouble for them. And of course, they were quick to say, "Well, uh, the things that were found, those." Um, uh, thousand-year-old um, uh, objects or, or people that, that yeah. were buried. Kind of looks they, like E.T. They, I've yeah, said, it, said it last week. I'll say it again. Yeah. No, that's absolutely a good example. <laughs> and, um, and the guys who are less um, careful about what they're doing or were quick to bring that up. And, of course, the thought that here we go, we have the Mexican National Conference, and we've got two uh, space visitors uh, from the ground that had been there for a thousand years. It turns out that they um, uh, it, they probably were a thousand years old, but um, we don't know what kind of what kind of uh, uh, help they had yeah. over the years to stay in that particular form. So sure. It really um, it, there appears to be some sort of mummification type thing going yeah, on there. So. Yeah. Yeah, and somebody said they could be Mexican children, and I'm thinking that because <laughs> of the size and everything. The but, size, uh, but the head, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange, uh, it's a very strange thing, and uh, um, I don't. We haven't had anybody saying, "Oh, yeah, this is a." A lot of people thought that maybe that they had found a spaceship, and these guys were the pilots. Okay. And that 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 story got sent around the, yeah. the world, so. Uh, that, gotta be careful, right? That those kind of stories always get a few clicks too, don't they? Yeah, oh, they really do. And you know, <laughs> we've got a huge quantity of very excited UFO people. Yeah, uh, and they have their own internet, so to speak. They have their own systems ready to communicate, and they, they, you can imagine how excited they were when this happened. And of course, we had the um, uh, statements of what should have been legitimate people saying. Uh, about the uh, alien activity. Now, we haven't had an official one yet from either NASA or the Department of Defense, but these guys who testified were part of those people who were going to be used. And, of course, and they may, may or may not be used based on what they said because uh, they don't want a, a crazy person or somebody that's trying to push a, uh, a concept that we haven't proven yet forward sure. and taking their authority as a, as an, as a, uh, a pilot. For example, uh, one guy said that the, uh, among the pilots, the UFO thing is common understanding because they have to deal with them all the time. They have these things that they re- reported on the radar and they got to take a evasive action and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be, I'm sure, part of the thing that we're going to see with the government report and from the NASA report. Which is overdue, right, Krenna? They should have had that thing out now, but they're obviously taking time and they're being very careful. Right. And um, so, uh, but the one thing that we can say, no, the sun may look like it's broken, but it's still there. Yeah. All that stuff that gets generated from the sun, it's got right in it's the biggest, most powerful gravitational field you could ever find anywhere in our solar system, right there underneath it. Right. That stuff isn't going to get very far other than the electromagnetic stuff that gets shot across the 
the uh, the uh, among the planets. And right. So forth. Well, speaking of of gravitational pulls, uh, that was the second story I wanted to make sure we covered before we ran out of time. This uh, this mass circling the the black hole. They said they've it's been measured, and um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, black holes have always intrigued me, even though I don't know a whole lot about them. Yeah, yeah, they uh, uh, they are absolutely remarkable. Um, first of all, we don't even know what they are made out of. They've invented some material for them, um, and they're using that, uh, and and. Uh, they, it has the property of having extraordinary um, gravitational pull, mm-hmm. and it's uh, capable of interfering with uh, anything uh, in the vicinity of it. In fact, they think it's, and we thought, for example, they had a black hole in the center of our galaxy that was holding everything together. And then they said, no, uh, they had an experiment one day, and they had, uh, star that happened to be going right past the uh, center point of the uh, galaxy, and they were so excited because they were going to see us. They're going to see a star spaghettified. The spaghettification is what happens when a star gets too close to the black hole, starts sucking in all the stuff, and it becomes a thin a star that becomes a thin straw of spaghetti going into the black hole. Well, that's uh, I, I was getting ready to ask you. Are we talking about spaghetti when you said spaghettification? Yeah. That's how that word they, they did. They invented that verb, spaghettification. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a disappointing day when those scientists all had gathered. They were waiting for it to happen. It didn't happen. It just <laughs> right. behaved like a very strong gravitational pull, and everybody was disappointed. But at the same time, the, the, some of that gravity they later discerned was exactly a, the force of a black hole. And so there's at least a small black hole in the center of the Milky Way galaxy helping it uh, do its thing. And, uh, and so those, uh, uh, of course, we, we had that one that we found uh, a couple of weeks ago and are still in, in analyzing it right now. And um, for the first time, they had something they could use to uh, um, uh, explain about black holes. They had a lot of data they collected. And... Um, and I guess there was some uh, disappointment, but the thing is, um, they brought them to another effort that was underway, and that was the uh, the use of um, mm-hmm. their instruments, like the space telescope and even the Hubble space telescope was still being used and right. and there's a number of other telescopes that were that got uh, involved in that uh, hmm. process and uh, that's yeah um, but for the first time we were able to measure the uh, stuff around the black hole um, it we got enough data uh, that uh, we we uh, our understanding of black holes I think has obviously been improved. Sure. That. Yeah. And uh, that was that's a piece of good news. Yeah. And, well, um, we're going to have to leave it at, at there, Mr. Bjork, because we are yeah. again, as always, we run out of time, and um, 
we uh, have yeah, to... we'll just say, say it's on an advertisement for the next time because they, uh, the, the strongest evidence of alien life, mm-hmm. NASA believes they have found in, in their latest discovery of a exoplanet around a star, which is 120 light years away. Oh, yeah. Bad distance because we're never going to get there in yeah. life. Yeah. Well, we'll lead with that one next week. We'll, yeah. Let's since uh, uh, yeah, it it's not going anywhere in the next uh, next week. So we'll uh, we'll jump on that <laughs> when we start next week. How about that? Yes, sir. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for calling in, and I uh, hope you guys uh, handle the uh, the tropical storm hit, headed your way. Uh, we'll yeah. we'll be uh, basking in the sunshine down here in Kentucky while you're uh, <laughs> while you're enduring that. So, yeah. but always good to hear from you. And um, uh, you know, have a great weekend, Mr. Bjork. All right, you too. Thank you very much. Sure. And uh, we are out of time, and so uh, we uh, will have to let you go at this point. But uh, tune in next week. Uh, we're back on Monday, uh, 7 a.m., uh, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m., mornings with Box 2. Have a great weekend.